Welcome to the Perfume Room. My scent of the day today is Diptyque Orpheon, and you guys know how much I love that scent. And while I don't have a signature, I would say that is one of the closest in my collection to a signature. The reason I don't have a signature scent is because number one, that would just simply be tragic, but two, also impractical based on the collection that I have amassed. And there are just simply too many scent profiles that I love to boil down my tastes to one singular fragrance. With that said, Orpheon is definitely one of the closest. It is a go-to, and I love the non-linear, multifaceted journey of this scent. It opens in a sort of powdery, but in like almost like a fresh snow powder way, less like powder, but a powdery gin and tonic way. Then the woodiness comes out, and then in the dry down, you really get that subtle, sweet, jasmine, floral sea, and I just, I love everything about this scent from beginning to end. I wore it to a wedding this weekend and contrary to how I normally pack, which usually entails a minimum of five fragrances, I actually only brought Orpheon and I have a revelation to share, okay, because people always seem to want to know what my boyfriend's favorite scents that I wear are and while he is a sucker for gourmand fragrances, looking at you, Annabelle's birthday cake and Hane Mori, maybe something is in the water, I don't know, but this weekend he could not stop smelling me and complimenting me on Orpheon. Like, we would go to the bar and he'd be like, oh my God, you smell so good, I can't get over it. Anyway, he's always liked Orpheon, but suffice to say, I have never received more compliments from him than when I wore Orpheon this past weekend. It's obviously very personal. It speaks to both of our tastes. Um, I will say I'm also working on a campaign with MCM right now on their newest fragrance, Ultra. So I was wearing it on Friday just to sort of like get a feel for it. And he complimented me on that one as well. Loved it. I don't know. Sometimes it feels silly to report on these little musings of our relationship, but I feel like inquiring minds want to know. So there you have it. Anyway, let's get to today's guest because she is wonderful and so are her fragrances. Today I am chatting with the lovely Maya and Jai of Maya and Jai Perfume. I first had the chance to try her fragrances actually through a past guest of the podcast, Kimberly Waters of Muse Experiences. On my way out from Muse Experiences, Kim was like, do not leave without trying this discovery kit and generously gifted it to me. So before I even get to the sense, and you will hear me mention it in the episode, I just have to say it was the most lovely discovery set I have ever happened upon. Maya has a background in photography and design, and it shows. Each scent in the collection is inspired by a different photograph from something personal in Maya's life, be it a portrait of her grandfather, photos of her family members in the 60s and 70s. I think I'm so struck by her fragrances because... And I'm saying we, I'm speaking as like this like collective we, but we love fragrances so much for how powerful they are and how they can make us feel and remember. And Maya's discovery set has tapped into that very notion. Somehow we are invited to share with Maya her own family's personal stories and memories and scents, but in this way that speaks to a universal collective memory. Whether or not our actual grandfathers smelled like cedar and tobacco and tonka bean, it smells like all of our grandfathers. Do you know what I mean? Her perfumes elicit feelings and memories in a way that seem to blur the line between hers and our own. So without further ado, here is Maya and Jai. Maya, welcome to the perfume room. How are you doing today? Thank you, Emma. I'm really good and I'm really happy to be, uh, be on your podcast. So thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm such a big fan of your scents. And I have to say that 
Of all the discovery sets I have been through, yours is my favorite. Wow. What I love about your fragrances and the way that you've designed your discovery kit is it feels so personal to you, but it also feels relatable to everybody who is not you. You know, I mean, I feel like we all can think of like the image of like a grandfather with his tobacco pipe, whether or not it is our grandfather. Your grandfather is all of our grandfathers is what I'm saying. (laughs) This is very true. And I'm glad you feel that way because that's how it's intended to be. Um, it, mm. I always say, you know, it's a personal story, but it's very relatable. So um, the idea is that people feel connections to the different fragrances and the images, but then take it in a different direction based on their own experiences. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So I always start the podcast by asking every guest, what fragrance are you currently wearing, if any? So I'm wearing Nordic Cedar, which is my own fragrance. Yes, I tend to always pretty much wear that um, day to day. That's the signature? That's the signature, yeah. It's the first first, uh, fragrance that I made in the collection. And um, I guess, yeah, it's one of those situations where you get to put your favorite notes into one formula and then it sort of sticks with you and becomes part of who you are. And that's pretty much what's happened. Wow. Okay. So for everybody listening, what does Nordic Cedar smell like and what about it um, encompasses your favorite notes? The way that I kind of experienced Nordic Cedar is definitely it's like a crisp, um, kind of cool, um, cooling fragrance, but also warming too. So essentially it's a woody fragrance, but with spicy Mm. facets to it. So it's kind of like um, the core of it would be, or the opening we could start with is, is cardamom, um, which is kind of cool and warm at the same time to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of spicy but cool. Uh, and then underneath that you have cedar wood mixed with patchouli. So it's like a real kind of like homely smell, um, but also quite earthy. And then underneath that you have like musk, and cinnamon and ambergris. So, yeah, those are the kind of the keynotes. Um, but they're the, they're, that's what kind of creates a, a familiarity to me and reminds me of my home. And so I guess when I created it, maybe I was feeling a bit homesick um, and kind of picked those those elements and put them together. And, yeah, it just works really well. Um, I think it works during the hotter months. I think it works when it's cold. You know, as you're saying this, I just had someone um, who is Icelandic on the podcast. And I'm curious because you're both from different parts of Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the Nordic aesthetic? I would say it's quite um, simple, like simplistic, I think, like Mm -hmm. in its in its like design. So when I think of Mm -hmm. Scandinavian aesthetics, I think of design. So I'd say it's it's very stripped back, um, not too fussy. Uh, we don't like anything that's like super busy, so we try and like keep mm-hmm. it minimal. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of like architecture and stuff, it always makes me think of just um, villas, wooden houses, that kind of the mm-hmm. areas that are, that were surrounding me as I was growing up. I mean, I, I grew up on in a, like a high rise, but Sweden to me is definitely like that kind of wooden uh, structure in terms of architecture. Um, the forest mm-hmm. that surrounds us, and then kind of, yeah, simplicity and um, comfortability, I think. 
Okay, so going back to some of the questions I always ask every guest on this podcast, do you have any fragrance, hot takes, or controversial opinions? So I think for that, I, I probably talk about what happened to today when I was on the bus. I was sat uh, on the top deck and a woman came and sat down and she had a fragrance on that always makes me move. <laughs> Can we say the fragrance? <laughs> well, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, Angel. Okay, it's movement. a polarizing fragrance. Some people some people really um, love it. And for me, I don't know uh, what it is. I don't know if it's the, the sheer like strength of it that I find really kind of overpowering or, um, mm-hmm. because when I, I guess when I think about it, it it's the fragrance that maybe I should like. I don't know, but I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting too, because thinking about your discovery set, you have some sort of more like sweet tropical scents, like Tropica, and you have sort of like soft, gently sweet florals, like Le Fleur, and then you have like warm, spicy scents, but I wouldn't necessarily, there's elements of sweetness to them, but mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't categorize them as gourmands. Is that or maybe you would, I don't know. Is that, what do you think about gourmands in general? And is that a genre that we would ever see in your collection? Yeah, I yeah, gourmands, um, for me, it's not something that I've particularly worn a lot of. Um, I tend to feel overwhelmed if something is uh, generally too sweet, I would say. Um, and I do, I mean, I do refer to vanilla in my collection as a gourmand, because in Sweden, we use, you know, we use cardamom and vanilla in our pastries, in our buns. So it's like a Swedish gourmand, I suppose, but not a gourmand mm-hmm. like many people will know them to be. I've also had people that think it's a strange description for that fragrance. But for a Swede, I don't think that is gourmand. Yeah. Yeah, I guess a gourmand's anything that has like an edible quality, but sometimes, yeah. and I, I'm guilty of this too, I think of gourmand and immediately go to like a sticky dessert. Yeah. But gourmand is so much more encompassing than just yeah. the angels of the world. Yeah. So what was your first foray into scent? And when did this become something that you felt like this could be my main thing? Um. So initially when I started actually kind of taking it from just loving fragrances to, to actually trying to blend myself. Um, that came through a course I was doing at university and I didn't study fragrance or anything like that. I studied surface design. Um, so mm-hmm. it's very visual design. Um, I have a background in photography and that's kind of how, yeah, that was my creative outlet. And at university I focused on textile printing, uh, but also did things like ceramics, um, wallpaper and so on. Um, and when I was there working uh, visually, um, I really enjoyed it. I had a real good time and felt like I was kind of, it was where I needed to be. Um, but I also felt like the, the, the expression that I was using, that, that there was something missing, essentially. And mm-hmm. that became uh, the fragrance side. So, yeah, and then started exploring different ingredients um, and, um, yeah, kind of felt that, the, the imagery that I'd kind of led into my my design process were my old family photos. And the reason why I did that was to show my uh, my teachers at the time where my inspiration came from in these prints. 
Um, and also I wanted to show them the kind of, yeah, the story of my heritage, so my Swedish heritage, but also the West African influence. And these images showed that um, perfectly. Um, they're really kind of beautiful pictures, but they depict a time from before I was born. And I think that I'm inspired by, you know, the 60s and the 70s and its kind of interior style and its fashion and its colorways. And so working like that then made me also want to draw the colors out of the pictures to kind of like really highlight how they differ from from now, I guess, and how the palettes mm. differ. So I started to color pick pictures and then felt, okay, well, could I push it even further? Could I try and tell a story about the freight, how, how it would have smelt back then? So it's it's like part, partly like memories that I have of certain places, but also like my imagination of what that place mm. could have smelt like. And so when you're creating something based off your interpretation or your imagination of it, would you say it differs versus like if you have a scent memory of like, oh, I remember this room in this house always smelled like this. Like if you're just looking at a picture, how does your brain interpret that or translate that into scent? Well, sometimes I kind of try and seek out different ingredients that I feel would represent um, the place or it could just be uh, ingredients that represent that feeling that you get from, mm -hmm. from the photo. Um, so mm -hmm. it could be one, one or the other, really. Uh, sometimes I go through, you know, I try out different ingredients and they actually make me think of somewhere. And then I, I go and see if I have anything that references that time or that place. So it can work kind of both ways. Sometimes it's the, like a photograph that's the beginning. And other times it's a, a particular note or a particular kind of accord that takes me somewhere and, and that becomes the starting point. Is there a note or a chord that you can think of right now that you've smelled recently or maybe it's inspired another scent that you smelled it and immediately you were like, oh, this is that? I was, uh, I've just been to Spain and whilst I was there, I kept getting hit by these like hypnotic trails of jasmine in the, in the evenings. And I'd like to explore it further in terms of my range, but I just haven't um, done it yet but when I was in Spain uh, I was really inspired by some architecture there and the architecture lends itself quite well to Jasmine so I feel inspired to to actually um, have a go and uh, make a fragrance out of it um, something that could be available in the like next year we'll see how that goes but now that I've put it out there I'll have to uh, get on it <laughs> Now it's in the universe, so, so we're all waiting. Universe, exactly. Everybody listening is yes. waiting for your jasmine scent. Um, very exciting. Yeah. So I'm curious, too, because something that you sort of touched upon that really struck me about your discovery set was, as you mentioned, how you color pick the palette. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you have any sort of, like, synesthesia when you create. Are there certain odors or scents that you associate with different colors? Yeah, so I think... A lot of people do. I think we've kind of been taught to associate um, certain, you know, smells of things or fruits or florals with certain colors. That's just how how our brain works. But I also I do kind of feel when I smell things um, that a color comes into my head. And sometimes it's not the right color of the particular thing that it is, but it still evokes something inside. Um, and mm -hmm. I find that. Uh, interesting to go with and um, it can also be 
not necessarily clear colors, but also shapes. Um, mm -hmm. And it can be uh, like musical notes, like a kind of a type, like a high pitched noise sort of enters my head or something that's like kind of more dull and deep. Uh, and it's mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, it becomes like a, a combination of a few different things sometimes. In your collection, are there particular scents, as you were mentioning, musical notes that do feel more high pitch in your collection or ones that, I don't know musical terms, but, yeah. you know, that like do feel like different musical notes to you? Uh, yeah, I think that um, the way that I look at the my fragrances, I would say Nordic Cedar and Vanille are interesting um, because I would say that Nordic Cedar definitely, to me, cardamom is like a smells like a string instrument to me or like a like a note that's been playing with a string um it's sort of like a bit stripy if that makes sense almost like long thin lines um whereas vanilla uh when you add the addition of vanilla makes it much more kind of like grounding and and smooth and soft and kind of sits like lower down is the best way i can describe it mm -hmm. so nordic cedar feels yeah. higher and kind of stripy <laughs> and vanilla feels like rounder yeah. and lower yeah no I, I love that description and I also similarly like feel like sometimes I'll describe fragrances as like and people are like what does that mean yeah. and I can't tell you what it means but it means something in my yeah. head and I feel like almost sometimes the sinus the multi-sensory elements are almost like mnemonic memory joggers of like oh when you feel this feeling yeah you're smelling this note yes. or you're smelling this accord. I don't, I don't know if that is something that you've experienced as yeah, well. I, I, like how to identify notes. I have. And before I really knew uh, much about perfumery, I would have this, um, that kind of exact feeling, almost like that noise that you've described. And I would get that mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. a note that would come back. And it's a note that I love. And mm -hmm. I've learned now that it's um, Oris. Or like iris oh, yeah that's my it's favorite kind of, note yeah mine yeah i absolutely love it and it has a real like frequency to it mm -hmm. um when i smell it and i could never really explain like if i went into say liberty and I, i'd want that note and i couldn't really explain what what it was that i meant and then i found a fragrance that had it and it's actually a jewel by a nick Gutel. and it's really yeah it has that okay. kind of Oris in the middle and I was like that's it that's the one that's it interesting mm. yeah it's hard to walk into a perfume store and be like do you have anything that smells like or just like make sounds and like see what they <laughs> yeah but, but but this is a good foray into your experience um with perfumery I know you are largely self-taught and I'm so curious mm -hmm. what was that process like for you how long did it take before you felt like you had mastered it and and how how does one go about sort of teaching themselves the ropes yeah uh, so the first thing that I kind of did was just try and get hold of as many ingredients as I could to just see mm -hmm. kind of explore what what was out there and and how I felt felt about them and how I wanted to combine them with each other essentially that's that's what it came down to um so I spent um uh, like a few years doing that just in my spare time and would experiment trial and error and have you know wear it for myself and then have friends wearing it to kind of like test it out um and I'd read you know I'd kind of do a lot of research online 
um, about different ingredients and stuff and just experimentation. That's that's what it kind of come down to. And then from that, um, when people started to ask me what I was wearing, that's kind of when I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, I guess that spurs you on. Like if someone asks you what you're mm-hmm. wearing, then you think, okay, well, this is, this is a lot of fun. Like I want to keep, keep doing this. And then I was working as front of house um, in a creative arts hub in Hackney. And it didn't, wasn't the kind of creative job that I'd been promised. So this was my kind of creative bit that I got to do on the side. And through that job, I met a lot of people that were interested in my fragrances to the point where mm-hmm. they would really show up with money, like try and get perfume off me in any way that they could. And I didn't want to sell any because they were my personal fragrances. And I wanted, right. I didn't want other people to have the same perfume <laughs> as I, as I right, had. it's your signature. Yeah, it's my, my yeah. signature scent. Um, but then at the same time, I, I really wanted to be, you know, um, out of change, change my direction. And this seemed like it was something that I could actually maybe take on. And so after about three years in that job uh, and, and selling kind of fragrances to people, after also having done like a course in cosmetic legislation, I then left my job and put a lot put all my effort into to setting it up as a brand and as a business I didn't know other perfumers I didn't know people in the industry so it was quite sort of not lonely but I was alone in it for for the first while and then kind of through Instagram I started connecting with other like-minded people nothing like an unfulfilling job to motivate you to do the thing that you actually want to do right exactly that's exactly it and I'm kind of yeah, I'm glad it happened that way because it really drove, you know, it put the drive in me to to have to make it work. You know, when, when you have to make something work, then you really, I think, approach it in a, in a different way. True or false, October is the best month of the year. If you answered true, you are absolutely right because October is unequivocally, objectively, the best month. I would actually say the only hard part about October is that it kind of feels like the Saturday night of months and that you know that Sunday, aka winter, aka November, December, January, is quickly approaching. But besides the fashion, the food, the weather, the holidays, including uh, mine and Wyatt's birthdays, there is something else amazing about this particular October, and that is the Smell Club theme. Thanks to your input, the theme for the October Smell Club is officially witchy scents and it is going to be so fun so spooky it will have everything from like green mossy forest to like smoky wood burning stove and everything in between and i'm gonna say right now costumes are strongly encouraged more information on where when and how to sign up will be coming at you this week if you are not on the smell club email list and you would like to be just dm me let me know and definitely if you are not following the perfume room instagram follow that for all details and updates at perfume room pod let's get back to maya as i've learned through hosting this podcast i know that there's so many logistical pieces of creating a perfume line selling a perfume line how did you go from, I think I can do this full time and make money to like figuring out like the packaging, the bottling, the distribution, like, was that a big mm-hmm. learning curve? And yeah, just how has that process been of really like becoming a, a full-fledged business? Yeah. 
So initially I started selling to independent stores in London, making only what I kind of needed, which is essentially how we work still. And then in 2018, Liberty got in touch Mm -hmm. and they took me on as one of their exclusive brands, which really opened uh, doors for me and it helped with getting further stockists. And then I also had someone who believed in me, who was like a business coach. I've had a few business coaches who've helped me. One guy had um, a friend who was um, uh, a wholesale agent. And uh, during their kind of selling week, they took me my perfumes in for a week just to see what the reception would be like. And through that, I got quite a few new stockists in the UK. And so it kind of happened like that. And then I built up, you know, like enough cash basically to expand the brand. So initially when I started... I tried to really hard to find the right bottles, but um, the minimum order quantities were too large. And then I kind of came across my bottle through a supplier in the UK called Posh Pack. And I know a lot of people work with them. They've been really great and instrumental in my journey. Yeah, it's kind of through that and then kind of coming across people within design that have helped me through like labeling and packaging, which I've done myself, but I've had people there who've kind of helped me perfect it and update it to kind of make it feel contemporary and yeah so it's kind of it's been a slow really slow process and then from then um I I started selling to say no shop in Japan and they they got in touch with me and that was like a new territory for me um but yeah I haven't worked with distributors at all so that will be a new area for me as well very cool yeah Yeah, I I discovered your fragrances um at Muse Experiences yeah. with Kimberly Waters yeah. in, in Harlem. Yeah, amazing. It was so great because she was like, before you go, you need to try this discovery set. And <laughs> I was like, but yeah, it's just interesting. Like, I'm sure now you're international. And how has it been to just see people receive your fragrances? And have you ever had the experience where you've smelled one of your creations on a stranger? It's been a really positive experience. I mean, I'd love to, to kind of expand into different markets and people have been really positive about the range. I have, uh, I have bumped into a couple of people, but they have been, I would say like friends of friends. So there's always been some kind of connection to, to the person, but where they've turned up Mm -hmm. and they've been wearing my fragrance, um, where they've had a a bottle in their bag. Like they didn't know that we would be in the Mm -hmm. same place, but they've, pulled it out of their bag and that's nice to know that that people are carrying them around with them because they love them you were also talking about I saw in another interview you were talking about how sometimes you'll see a specific person or someone will come to you looking for a fragrance and you associate like a specific scent or one of your fragrances with them Mm. have you done anything custom or like how would you go about doing some sort of consultation if someone were like which one would you pick for me yeah I have done like bespoke fragrances for friends um that's Mm -hmm. kind of as far as I've taken that when I've done that I've sort of really just thought about I haven't actually asked them questions about what they like but I guess when it's your friends you know them well enough to kind of put something together right and they've always the the people that I've done them for have, have, have been happy with them and I've kind of had you know remade them um I don't have offer kind of bespoke fragrance in that sense to uh customers very often uh i have done private sessions with people uh, because i do host workshops but i do them in group settings and i have done private workshops with people where it's like uh one-to-one um where they've wanted um 
kind of I guess like a more a more specialized service where it's uh, more catered for them specifically I've also done like wedding perfumes for people where they've come in as couples but yeah that's kind of that's as far as the bespoke service extends at the moment what's a typical day like for you so yeah I tend to if if I'm good I tend to get up and do some exercise before work Mm -hmm. um I have a gym which is around the corner from work so I've also started riding my bike in now and then I come into work I have breakfast there and I start with meeting with the, the women that I have that work with me we kind of lay out a plan for the day and then I tend to do uh admin for the first part like kind of emails and all of that on an ideal day I'll have like half a day where I can kind of experiment with ingredients and work on on projects that I have uh, I tend to actually not have as much time as I'd like on projects but um, I'm trying to change that that's constantly something that I'm trying to improve I'm curious too because going back to your discovery set it is so personal to you and to your family have any of the people who have inspired fragrances in your collection had a chance to smell them yes so my sisters both wear my fragrances, my older sisters. So they're the little girls in the in the photos. Sophie, she likes Nordic Cedar the best. And Annette, who's the, the older out of the two, she wears tobacco and Boya Verde. Um, and then yeah, so so they're they're big fans and they get to wear them. And then my mom, she's you know, she features in, in the photographs. Um she likes Le Fleur. <laughs> Tobacco is, I think, my personal favorite. When I put it on, I was just like, there's something about like the cinnamon in there that I just like, oh, it just feels so cozy. I think yeah. I, I featured it on something I did on Instagram where like people were asking me about like different aesthetics or whatever. And I was like seeing it for, someone asked me about the soft boy aesthetic, which these new internet terms, it's so hard to keep up with. But just like the, the, guy who is in touch with his emotions and is very thoughtful I guess you know contradictory to like the like football jock bully that mm -hmm. we that archetype that we saw in like 90s and the early 2000s yeah. what would he wear and I see this as being very gender inclusive but I just yeah. like pictured like a very pensive thoughtful person just like sitting under a tree on a fall day in a sweater reading a philosophy book and wearing tobacco like that's my beautiful that's, that's where I picture it <laughs> yeah 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 that's really uh really fitting I mean it's yeah it's definitely evocative of my my granddad I used to go to his house to his apartment um it was when I was very young he passed away when I was like when I was about seven so mm. it's a very early kind of like memory um mm -hmm. but yeah it's like one of the fragrances that's the, the most relatable I think mm -hmm. but also there are people out there that that feel like tobacco that tobacco fragrances aren't for them but I think that's mm -hmm. for the same for the same reason were you wearing fragrances growing up yes uh, I would uh, initially the first fragrance that I kind of remember that I would would wear was through my mom and that was uh, Lulu mm by uh yeah. is it Cacherel? yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then I remember also a fragrance that I loved which I used to I didn't have it in the house but if I went to down into the city center I would spray it on and it was um exclamation 
is it for a bike mm-hmm. by Coty? Mm-hmm. So that that really uh, takes me back to being really young and kind of feeling excited about fragrance. And then the first, I would say, the first fragrance that I was bought that I could choose for myself was Salvador Dali, Order Dali. So the pink lips with the yeah with the pink nose, yeah. Uh, those are the kind of like the really early fragrances that I had. And then when I when I started when just before I moved to London and I had my own money, the first fragrance that I bought for myself um, was CKB. Mm. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I first smelt it on a boy that I knew, fell in love with it. Uh, it actually, I walked into his um, room or his home and it's he just sprayed it. And there was a huge bottle on the table because I think they did like a 250 ml bottle or something. So anyway, I felt really inspired by that. So I bought that. And that kind of um, reminds me of my first couple of years in London and like leaving home and having my own my own place for the first time. Yeah. I mean, scent is so tied to to memories. And that's why I think it's so beautiful what you've done with your line of just really connect in some ways, because a lot of those photographs are from before your time. It's almost like you're retrofitting scents into the pictures. And I just I think that that's is your goal to make them feel like as realistic as what you imagine they would actually smell like or is it more like this picture for me conjures up this emotion like is it more abstract or more concrete in that way I would say it's more abstract I guess because the colors come into it too so the fragrance that I make will have to have some sort of representation around the colors Mm -hmm. um, as well as the feel of the photo so um, to create something that kind of like a replica of of a certain place might not be the correct way to treat it because the colors of that place might not match so Mm -hmm. it's 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 like a mixture of both but I would I'm very open to the element of of uh fantasy as well Mm -hmm. I love that so yeah okay so the final question before we get into our last segment which is a game and you sort of hinted Mm -hmm. at this earlier um Mm -hmm. but what can we expect for the future of Maya and Jai? Uh, I have been ex- uh, kind of exploring uh, incense for the first time, mm. like making making incense from scratch. I'd love to, to venture into kind of um, home fragrance because it's something that I've used for years. And it's something that I like, incense is something that I collect when I go, when I travel. Uh, and so it'd be great to kind of, do my version um, of that. I've been um, exploring that with um, a perfumer called Ezra Lloyd Jackson, uh, who's amazing. So, um, yeah, to have him on board and to work with him has been great. Um, we're going to keep exploring that avenue. Uh, I've also been exploring candles. I don't know that I can promise that you'll see them but I would like to add them so we'll just have to see how that goes but that's also quite a long process you know the development Mm -hmm. kind of behind it or to get it as you want uh can take time so I know I've had customers that love the fragrances that uh, keep asking me for for room fragrance or Mm -hmm. yeah candles I've also got which I should mention yeah there's a, a scent festival in Switzerland at a castle called Halville Castle, uh, which is outside of Zurich. Mm. And um, 
I'm going there with Ezra, Lloyd Jackson. We're, we've been working on this project together. We've got we've got a room each that we're going to send. So if anyone um, has has been uh, part of the Scent Festival, I'd love to hear from you. If you've had the opportunity to go, then um, please do so. They tend to have them every year, uh, but we're we're only there for a few days. Oh, very cool. Maya, the final segment of the show is called What's That Smell? Mmm, what's that smell? It's rapid fire scent association. There is no incorrect answer. Anything you say is right. So I'm going to throw <laughs> out people, places, concepts, and you just tell me the first smell that comes to mind, and you can choose to defend your thesis or not. So as much or as much as little as you'd like to elaborate on it, it is the right answer. Are you ready to play What's That Smell? Let's go for it. Maya, what is the smell of London? Petrichor. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Petrichor. At the moment, yeah. What is the smell of Stockholm? Archipelago. Um, I'll leave it at that. What is the smell of Gambia? Burning leaves uh, and grass and incense. Uh, it's, yeah, it's this burn. It's that kind of, this is a really important smell. When people ask me, this might, my answer might be too long now, I don't know. But when people ask me about what is the, the, the kind of one of the earliest scent memories that you have, and that is it, the smell of Gambia, driving down the roads and the farmers are burning grass um, mm. on the sides. And it's a smell that I uh, smell sometimes in the autumn in the UK, sometimes in Sweden, and it's when people are burning leaves. That's as close as, as kind of as close as I'll, I'll get to it. So yeah, that's the smell of Gambia. And what is the smell of your childhood home? Wow. Um, many different smells. So I guess I'll have to choose uh, choose the one of the more pleasant ones, which would be my mum's cinnamon buns. Did that inspire any of the yeah. fragrances in your... I feel like there's some yeah. nods to like a... Vanilla, I would say, would be the closest to that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, she liked baking, Beautiful. so I would, I, would pick, I would pick that. And maybe the smell of coffee. Great smells. Mm. Okay. What is the smell of your home now? Incense. Yes. Uh, I've been kind of burning a lot of incense at home um, as part of my kind of d- development process. Um, but I always have incense burning anyway. So, and, and particularly yesterday, I was layering, I got a bit carried away and I had African incense, incense that I'd made myself um, and frankincense. So there was all sorts of like layering going on and, and that still smelled when I walked in today. Ooh. Um, but just the right amount, you know, you keep a window open and you're kind of ventilating the place and yeah, you get a nice kind of level of, of comfortable, comfortableness in the house. And I love if I can smell that when I come back, back home. Yeah. What is the smell of your least favorite note to work with? I'm not a fan of clove. I love Spices. I like cardamom. I like cinnamon. Yeah. I don't like clove. So mm. I would probably say that that's my one of the ones that are my least favorite. Okay. Controver- the controversial opinions keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> what is the smell of love? I would say jasmine. Mm. Yeah. Perhaps a future 
fragrance. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think just um, for me it is just because it's so, um, the bloom is so Moorish and narcotic that I would just, it just, that's Mm. how how I feel about it, yeah. It is very narcotic. Okay, the final question. Yes. What is the smell of Maya and Jai? Well, that would, I would have to answer Nordic Cedar to that because it's just my DNA, yeah. That's the one. It's in your bloodstream at this point, right? It is, yes, exactly. It's uh, it's pumping through <laughs> me, so there we have it. Maya, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you today. For everybody listening who is curious about where they can find your discovery set, where can they do that? Um, so, yeah, in the, in the UK, you can buy from my website. I don't ship abroad, uh, so if you're based in America, for example... Um, you could go uh, to Views Experiences. Kim launched me in mm-hmm. the US, so you can find me there. Mm-hmm. You can also there's uh, other stockists like Ministry of Scent, Ariel Shoshana, um, and uh, Field of Florist. Netta Porter stocked me. So if you're in in the EU and they can ship by land, you know shipping is is a whole other story, but it's the bane of yeah. our lives as perfumers. If you're in the EU, you can buy it through Netta Porter. Um, working on further stockists in other places like Canada and Australia and yeah, further afield. But yeah, those are the ones I would try. Amazing. And where can everybody follow you? So my Instagram is maya.njai.perfumes. That's where I'm kind of most, um, most active really. And then uh, if you want um, to stay in touch uh, and kind of get news and sign up to my newsletter via my website. Um, they're not as frequent as they should be, but when I have something to say, you'll usually find out through there. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Maya, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for having me. Perfumer was edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 